Hi, everyone. Before we get started with today's episode of Girls Room, I just wanted to let y'all know that this is the last Girls Room that's going to be posted to the Crisis Twink feed. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be migrating all these episodes over to our own separate Girls Room feed that you should go subscribe to when it's out, and I will be posting it. But just so you're aware, this is the last one that's going to be posted here on Crisis Twink. So for more Girls Room, you need to go listen live or just find Girls Room wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins, and we have a very, very special guest, Vanity Fair writer Chris Murphy. Welcome to the Girls Room. Oh my god, I've always dreamed of being in the Girls Room, so this is such an honor. I'm so excited. Is it just as you imagine? <laughs> it's a little bit not like, you know, the abandoned uh, Vine show. Remember that? <laughs> she had the whole sketch, the girls room. That's what I imagined it to be like. But this is actually, this is, it's just the same. In a way. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's comforting. I, what's, what was the girl's name who loved eggs? Oh my God. Um, yeah. Um, I like eggs. What was her name? <laughs> oh. I'm looking it up right now because it's going to bother me the rest of the show. Mandy, where, where is, is she? she? She was such a comedic, she was such a talent. Oh. Put her on ultra vest. She's dead. <laughs> what was her name? Um, oh my God. Sorry. Sorry to completely we'll, derail we'll, us. No, we'll, need, we'll need a live Her Her name is Debbie. Debbie. Oh, Debbie. Of course it was Debbie. Oh God. And the one from Tennessee. God, that was a great sketch comedy. <laughs> It was, I mean, I wish they'd bring it back. They could do an all new cast and really kind of maintain the spirit of the show. They really could. They really could. You don't need, who needs a man to be a man? I don't. Chris, I want to hear about your relationship with girls. Like, how did you come to the show? Where were you in your life when it came out? Okay, that's a fantastic question. Um, because everyone, I think it really does matter where you were in your life. Like, how deep in you were to girls and like how much it sort of like shaped you, you know, the very core of our beings, right? Um, and I actually, I have no idea how old either of you are, but I'm pretty sure, I, let's see, it was like 2010, 2011. I was like the end of like, I was like senior of high school, like going to college. Like girls was like sort of like the show while I was in college. That's like what we watched. Um, so it was like a, at a very mm-hmm. like, like impressionable time of your life because like, you're old enough where you like get every single thing and it's like, you're like, oh, like you're like, you can like sort of relate to them a little bit, but you're like young enough that you're like, they're still sort of like too old, like not, they're obviously not aspirational, but you're like, oh, like I'm going to learn from their mistakes and I'm not going to be like them when I'm in my early to mid twenties. Like, <laughs> so you like, it was that sweet spot of mm-hmm. like, of um, I'm sure Catherine Cohen talked about this when she was on the pod, friend of, we watched it in college all the time but like mm-hmm. just young enough to like to feel seen but not old enough to be like scared if that makes sense that's a really good way of putting that's it. <laughs> yeah i think it's been nice to rewatch this now like having watched it as a like late high schooler into college and then now like in julian my late yeah. 20s like 
we kind of missed the dark period that they're covering on the show. Like, no, that's so okay. So we're actually exactly yeah. the same because <laughs> that is exactly me, at late twenties now. And yeah, it's funny because I didn't watch it like in my like mid twenties, like you know, twenty three to twenty seven or whatever, in terms of like vaguely the years that they are supposed to be. Um, and I think it was so good. Like when I rewatched it, I rewatched it this spring for like a like a Vanity Fair piece just like because it's been 10 years since it came out and I was like whoa now I'm older than all the girls like before I was younger than the girls mm-hmm. but now I'm older than the girls mm-hmm. and like that was a mind book and I would be like oh god Chosh, like you're gonna learn you're gonna you're gonna figure it out like you know Marnie you're making crazy decisions like it just it was so nice to sort of come back you know as like more of a like a little bit wiser but still being like oh shit I do see myself in each and every one of them in some ways um and that has to be said <laughs> Yeah. So quality wise, how do you think the show has held up over the okay, past decade? Okay, and I, I'll bang this drum until uh, the day that I die. It's fucking brilliant. It's so good. There's not a show <laughs> that I can think of that better captured a specific moment. Again, where I use the word specific very importantly. Like it's an important word. It's a specific moment of culture and a specific slice of a moment of culture in terms of like the zeitgeist and like what it was like to be like mm-hmm. a group of friends who lived in this one part of Brooklyn and like all went to Oberlin and like were privileged and rich and white for the most part, right? So I think it gets some unfair flack for not being all things to all people and for sort of being sort of very um, niche in that way and maybe mm-hmm. not addressing all the things that, you know, it, it could have. But like, guess what? Art, it can't do, it, art can't speak to everything all the time like I think it did such a beautiful job it's a wonderful really great job of um capturing you know a, a, a slice of the world and also then shaping like what came next um so I think yeah I think it holds up really well I don't think like, every episode is perfect but I in, in re-watching it I was like oh this shit still slaps <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you're in good company. We're both like huge girls fans, girls apologists. Yes. I justice um, for girls. I, my my vanity fair piece was justice for girls. And I will say the girls of girls don't get the credit that they're due. The men of girls have they're you know, they're all sort of insanely famous now and thriving and you know, getting nominated for Oscars and whatnot. Not all of them, but a bunch of them are. The girls of girls, that's what the show was, and they really deserve they deserve they deserve their day in the sun. That's true. I mean, Allison Williams is about to be in that movie M3 Gam. Yes. <laughs> the Psycho Doll. So maybe she'll, maybe that'll really propel her again. Yeah. I mean, she's found a really great niche oh. in sort of horror, you know, in the horror genre. And I'm happy for her. Um, but I want even more for her. But yes, M3 Gam, that's true. Uh, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. In, in your Vanity Fair anniversary piece, you wrote, <laughs> um, and I quote, girls was boldly and unabashedly ugly. And its legacy underscores the fact that there's nothing society is more critical and disdainful of than a woman it deems unattractive. Great line. Uh, Damn, I forgot. And I <laughs> <laughs> weird to hear your words read back to you. <laughs> but is. as like a girls fan, girls apologist, what do you think about the discourse kind of moving from this anti-Lena sentiment to now I feel like there's this newfound embrace of girls that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I and I think the two episodes that we're, I don't want to jump to the two episodes that we're about going to talk about, but like, I think they were, it was sort of a, a really great encapsulation of like 
that entire sort of thesis and that like it can get it can get really ugly really hard to you know show some of the rawest worst sides of people mm -hmm. the things that we don't want to hide um which some might say is what art is supposed to do it's supposed to challenge us and make us look into ourselves and see things i mean i think people are now um mm -hmm. just sort of coming around to the fact that while they're definitely you know things involving nepotism and privilege that like deserve to be interrogated and that should be interrogated when, and brought up when talking about girls that doesn't necessarily discount like the actual work that was happening and there was a lot of also totally unfair and completely sexist and misogynist and frankly just disgusting sort of talk I specifically remember you know about women's bodies and what you know who can and cannot mm -hmm. get naked on screen and what does that mean that girls totally like flouted conventions in that way which was so good and so like healing and phenomenal that I think that like yeah I think Lena and like all of them got a lot of completely unnecessary and uncalled for shit just by being women who didn't fit a certain type of you know norm or look um or aesthetic that we were used to seeing on screen act in a certain type of way I, I feel like I'm sounding vague but I also feel like I'm making sense <laughs> no you're definitely making no. sense. Like a few weeks ago, we talked about the oh, Patrick incredible. Wilson episode and like the discourse, like the contemporary discourse around that at the time where like people were like, she is not hot enough for Patrick Wilson. Like yeah. this just feels like like a diary fantasy. Like as if that's a bad thing. As if that's a bad too. thing. And it's like, also like, I remember hearing it too. Cause like, you know, I was like 18, 17, you know, when these, when this was happening and like you sort of, you know, we, ha I hadn't lived enough to know, you know, to know anything, but it's like, you know, now at my big old age of 29, it's like, of course, any, like it's, it's it was watching that now. I think that might've been one of the biggest like shifts that episode specifically, because like, I so remember viscerally the discourse with that being like, Oh, like Lena couldn't pull Patrick Wilson. And it's like, mm -hmm when you're a kid like you don't know and then it's like oh wait like he's like a horny doctor in his 40s and like here comes this like you know smart precocious 25 year like it, it makes it made all the sense in the world it couldn't make more sense right and that's just this type of thing that I think hindsight yeah. does that I think we've I think we're mm -hmm. uh, hopefully as a culture sort of like interrogated like the places that we were coming from when we criticized certain pieces of art and you know some of is and some of that was coming from like a bad sort of unfair place um, and I think we were also pretty fucking stupid. It's hard to be. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't know how to process things or take things in while they're happening. And like, <laughs> actually, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I'm all here for the Lena Sans. Do I think she's perfect? No. Is she sometimes a delusional girl in a delusional world? Yes. <laughs> um, but do I love her? Do I think she's like? Yes. She made a really incredible piece <laughs> of art. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I think I think I completely agree and you gave all the right caveats like is she so often delusional does she kind of slip up yeah but it is it's I'm, a feature it's not a bug yeah. like we need I love it when celebrities get like a little delusional in general it's why I am such a Gwyneth uh, apologist <laughs> like Lena at least is smarter than Gwyneth is. yeah like, I would I but but it is it's kind of funny now like having to like talk to celebrities sometimes for a living via Vanity Fair it's like it just puts in perspective like oh they're all their lives are so weird and so far from like me or you like you or I like it just it's so crazy like if they're not acting weird then it's like 
truly the fakest thing in the world. And it's like, it's like, it's like then it's like, there's something wrong. It's like, they should be acting weird because yeah. they are completely, they're weird. Um, and that's not like an excuse. That's not to excuse that. But like, it just is like, yeah, if Gwyneth Paltrow was just like talking to like, you know, felt like talking to your girlfriend, then let's like, that's not, something's off. She's she's pulling a fast one on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we dive into recapping the episodes, which girl are you? Oh my God, I used to do, okay, I used to have a whole entire thing in college. I would ask everybody which girl they were. And then like, obviously I wouldn't tell them the rules. And then I'd say, well, I'm a Jessa slash Hannah. <laughs> and I would, I would allow myself to be a hat. Oh, a slash. Um, though I do think everybody does have, is cusp, is like a mix of two. Cause I do think that, I do think it's, that's how I approach this. Um, let's see. I think, I think I wanted to be a Jessa when I was like watching it initially because like, she was like, wild and bohemian and she did whatever she wanted and she was she had all these problems and the drugs and the and the fiance you know all you know it was just like sort of like romantic to me even though like what she was going through was really sort of horrible and she you know there's a lot to be said am i just that no i'm not really a jessa i do think oh it's actually scary now being like oh like i'm like a writer in, in their 20s who like you know writes personal things and like I'm like oh god the Hannah does it, it, like it does jump it does jump out a little bit sometimes I'm like oh that's that's scary but that's um that that is I do feel like a little like a Hannah and then you know what I think a mix of Hannah and Shosh I have some Shosh in me too I'm really not a Marnie I will say that with love there's not any part of me Marnie is just not 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 my not my gal, but my best friend is kind of a Marnie. So that also adds, so it does work out. So that works out. You have representation. Yeah. What about, wait, I want to know what are, wait, who are you both? <laughs> it's an impossible <laughs> question. Every week. And I don't feel like any better about saying that every week we do this. Um, but I do have some like Jessa in my chart as mm. well. I love that. I'm jealous of that. I wish I think I, I aspired to be Jessa, but I like, but I, so, but I could, Amarni Jessa, that's sort of the perfect, that's sort of where you want to be. That's like a, that's a gorgeous. It, 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 feels very, it feels very toxic in ways that I don't think we have like the language to fully describe <laughs> yet, but I'm a, I'm still on my journey to process what that means. Mm, for me. Okay. I do. I, but I, I support that. I support that a full, full tilt, full heartedly. Wait. Okay. Julia, what are you? I am a Hannah Shosh Cusp. Oh, oh my well. God. So we are the same. Okay. So we're kindred. We're aligned. <laughs> are you also a Libra? Uh, no, I know I'm a Virgo, but I do have a lot of, I'm okay. like, which, like, what well, we can. It's, it's, there's, they're sisters. They're sisters. They're sisters. And that's, there's some Shosh in there. And there's some, this episode specifically, Hannah, some of it, Hannah's uh, mental illness has a lot of Virgo, <laughs> a oh lot my of Virgo God. tendencies. Saw a lot there of is. <laughs> There's a lot to get into in these two episodes. They like really shoved a lot in. Mm, they really, and I'll say this, and I wanted to say this earlier, but I guess we'll get into it now. Um, I do think season two, episode nine of Girls is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It should be studied in schools, in <laughs> colleges, in boardrooms by the UN. It is so, it is, I cannot think wow. of a more like, impactful hilarious more devastating episode than the penultimate episode of season two of girls 
I agree. I think it's one of the two like totemic masterpieces of this season, along with yes, the Patrick Wilson a, episode. Also, uh, yeah, this is like full. It's like shades of body horror in every plot line. <laughs> I I actually, I mean, I've never done this before watching the show. I did have to fast forward through certain scenes, which we will oh. get to. But it was a <laughs> like great art makes you react, and I definitely reacted <laughs> very yeah. very strongly to all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think we can just get into the episodes without further ado. Yes. Oh my god. I'm. Oh god. I'm. I'm right there with you. Let's do it. Um. So season two, episode nine, is a big episode, and what we usually do is we go through each girl's storyline. So okay. everyone it. is just like unraveling. So there's a lot of heavy stuff. So maybe we start with Hannah and then move through the lighter. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Hannah's OCD is hitting her hard. She's um, now just kind of reckoning with the fact that her OCD is back. And she meets with her book editor, John Cameron Mitchell. Um, who is out, who is perfect and out of just a completely different era. Like when she had, like, it, that was like my night, like, I had nightmares about that happening, like, <laughs> like at work or like as a writer where you like to hand something in and they're just like, this makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> yes. Which like that oh doesn't happen god. really anymore, you think, but just to see it, I just like I was like, oh my God. I like, oh, it was so funny. But I felt for her so much more viscerally than I ever could oh. have before, you know, before becoming a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's also just the way he tells her he hates her pages. He says <laughs> Hannah, did your hymen grow back? Where's the sexual failure? Where's the pudgy face slicked with semen and sadness? Oh, again, that is actually like, and that writing is so fucking funny. Um, also, yeah. the way that scene, the way that it opens with John Cameron Mitchell telling the assistant uh, three chais, and it's just the two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also, he's like, you've been working out. Stop that. Like, you're dealing with an absolute sociopath. But, like, that doesn't mean that it didn't, like, completely, deeply. And I I feel like Lena doesn't get enough credit as an actress. You can feel, even though she's trying to, you know, like, be professional and she's like, yeah, I've got 200 pages. She's lying out of her ass. Like, yeah, I've got 200 pages ready for you. Um, And trying to take his criticism. You can can feel the emotional weight of it, of just getting absolutely destroyed by... You know, the one mm-hmm. person that believes in you and someone that you're like supposed to respect or supposed to be like an authority figure in your community, in your in your life. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. You feel her. You see her shrinking in her chair. She says um, she had sex with a teenager last month and she's willing to talk about it. So she's like really grasping <laughs> at straws. She has no stories at this point. She's got she's literally got nothing. She's at the end of her rope. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, but it, then it does uh, get worse. It does. I mean, believe it or not, it does it's get worse. Now. Her, as Drew mentioned, kind of body horror plot line. Um, she she gets a splinter in her ass, I think it is. Yeah, because she was too lazy to get up and just walk across the room. Yeah. She decided to scoot, which that <laughs> did get me this time because I've been there. <laughs> Sometimes you have to scoot, but usually you're wearing pants when you scoot. Yes, usually. Yeah, and she's just, like, addicted to, like, wearing shorts up to her yeah. asshole. So, like, it just, it's never, gonna, it's not a recipe it's for simply success. simply not a recipe for the success in any no. way, shape, or form. 
Um, and then we see her in the bathroom uh, and she sticks a Q-tip just way too far inside her ear. She squeezed so hard to watch gave me chills yeah, screamed had to look away floor. oh my god yeah. uh, but this you fast forward it that's <laughs> so fair i actually was i was just watching it um and like it is it's more visceral i don't know once you know that it's gonna happen it's just you can't look you can't look it's mm-hmm. really it's really hard and but you're also like oh it probably felt so good until it felt so bad that's the thing she probably it was probably so satisfying Ugh. until she went too far she goes to the hospital um and <laughs> what does the doctor say he says oh no she says i've been having a lot of trouble with my mental state and the doctor's like you're kidding <laughs> i feel like this yeah. physical kind of manifestation <laughs> of her mental state like she needed to act out almost and get literal medical treatment yeah she was i mean she's like spiraling i mean this is like the beginning of like the like the not the beginning, obviously, but like the next two episodes, she's going down a hill real fast. And like, she was mm-hmm. desperately needs any person to come and save her. Normally it's like her parents will yeah. come, but like now they're like, you know, they're setting up boundaries and she's alienated all her friends in her life. So it's just like, and from anywhere, from anyone, she, you know, even if it's a doctor who's like, yeah, mm-hmm. no shit, you're crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she just like refuses to learn her lesson. We see her later at her apartment going back for the other ear. Uh, just the well, she was because and like it even <laughs> yeah, oh, I like so even dope. when she's in the hospital, like she's asking the doctor to like check her other ear and like put drops in the other ear and stuff. Like it just it's so hard to watch her scenes this episode. And she, I mean, like Chris said that. Like her acting is just like out of this world, unbelievable. Like in the, both of these episodes, I think she's like going for the Emmy reel, and I think she got nominated this season mm. for the last time. I think for the last time, oh, that's so unfair. But that does scan because yeah. it really, she really commits in a in a really yeah mm-hmm. a, like kind of scary way. And I feel like I remember like the discourse about uh, season two of being like not as good as season one, or I like. I just feel like people sort of like didn't like the direction that her story went at the time, or maybe that was just like amongst the people that I was with or around, but watching it now, I'm like, Oh, like I can't think of like a more visceral depiction of like that specific type of, you know, mental illness or break that sort of break, you know, in, um, and yeah, that then what happens to Hannah by the end of season two. Um, but so I just like, Kudos, kudos to kudos to Alina as a writer and actress and a directress too. Absolutely. I mean, I also feel like the, she kind of set up the Hannah character for this character arc, this kind of favorable character arc a few episodes back. But towards the end of the season, she just completely regresses, and it's I don't know. It, it's an interesting move. You know, she really could have kind of had that realization in the Patrick Wilson episode and then, you know, made her life a little better, <laughs> but she, she yeah. did not. But she can't learn. She couldn't, she couldn't learn from her mistakes. Oh. And yeah. sorry, go ahead, Drew. Well, I was going to say, do we want to talk about Adam? Well, yeah, because yeah, that's really- another part that gets like, so, I mean, adding, you know, mm-hmm. insult to injury, you just wrecked one of your ears you're walking home and then you see your ex-boyfriend and he's at an engagement party with his new girlfriend. Yeah, I would also take a Q-tip to my ear and 
you know, burst my eardrum. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're seeing Adam kind of on the same, like he almost was getting better and then completely regresses. But um, before before they have their run-in on the sidewalk, we see Adam at his new girlfriend's apartment and things are progressing. She says she's ready to have sex in this way that's like very after school special <laughs> you can tell they're, they're so yeah. different she's very um you know yeah. uh, put together and uh, i'm struggling to come up with the words basic is not totally right but um adam is just this you know as we know not a monster but uh, a very specific person she's, she's- She's not not basic. Like, I just really, she's so normal, especially in relation to him, that she almost, like, yeah, she does seem kind of yeah, basic, I think. Yeah. like, Well, he is like an animal. Like, he's, like, all id. He can't, like, you know, he can barely exist in society. Like, when she takes him to the party, he has mm-hmm. to talk to, like, make small talk with that guy about, like, sports or whatever, and he can't do it. It's like, he really, like, he's so, <laughs> like, sort of primal and, like, Cro-Magnon in a way that like the fact that she just like is like mm-hmm. a functioning human who uh you know a woman who like knows what she wants and knows what she likes and isn't like you know lost in taking his lead like i think that first scene with them where they're like having sex and she's like very specific about i mean the sex scenes of this episode are also iconic and created a lot of discourse but uh, sherry appleby who was so good she's oh so fantastic yeah. i love sherry appleby as natalia the new girlfriend um when she's like being very clear about what she wants, he's so taken by it because he's never really thinking about what other people want. He's just thinking about what he wants. Um, and like, and that level of communication, I think is mm-hmm. like, is like throws him. Um, and is, you know, it's sort of played for like comedic effects, but now I feel like in 2022, like every, you know, I feel like that's how all the Gen Z, I think like that's how all the kids are doing it these days is talking, talking, talking. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. These are my rules. Respect. Yeah. Them. But that's yeah. that was a sort of a more of a foreign concept um, for a man like Adam, and for I think many men back in twenty eleven or twenty twelve. I really liked seeing Amy <laughs> Schumer at the engagement party. Are you seeing uh, like perfect little cameo, yes. like her saying, "We love this fucking girl." Yes. Like, <laughs> such a character that was from such a, that literally is she's a period piece in that one scene like that type of girl yeah. was such a specific girl i mean that line where it's like <laughs> yeah she's like mother Teresa. mother Teresa didn't blow your cousin this- <laughs> <Or> two- <laughs> also when he walks away and she says he has the face of an old-timey criminal <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's actually and then um she says like oh yeah it's like no actually it's peter pan it's like actually i see both and actually <laughs> really yeah i mean i mean adam thing it gets really tricky because you know he's clearly trying he clearly likes natalia like he he like but he's like used to certain things with and hannah and hannah really did let him sort of do whatever he wanted you know to her because she needed to be loved um Mm -hmm. and it's I wonder what you both think like is, things are sort of going well like better and better and better and then he sees Hannah and then boom falls off the wagon do you think how like how intentional is that do you think I mean it's just they're so codependent with each other that and they're so they're in the exact same points in their lives in terms of like the amount of need they feel on a day-to-day basis and like Natalia is obviously mm. very 
like, yeah, she's a little bit less complicated and a little bit more basic, so to speak, than Hannah is. But and she, but she really knows what she wants. And I think Adam just feels very threatened yeah. by that and out yeah. of place with mm-hmm. her. And I think ultimately what she wants is not what he wants. I think we see that. And like, do you remember how crazy the discourse was around that sex scene? Like the, like the, very, it was like, yes. it was so crazy that it overshadowed Marnie's moment, yeah. which is insane. Like, which is, but, but like people were really sort of blown away and sort of like, and some people hated that scene. And, you know, there were, you know, lots of conversations about consent and, you know, which again, it like spurred a lot of important conversations, but I think what that scene really illustrated, at least, you know, on a, in the rewatch years later, is that, like, they just had completely different, they wanted completely different things. And he doesn't, and he was unable to control, yeah. Yeah. you know, control himself and his urges. And to the, you know, to a point where it becomes wholly untenable. And I think the line between bad sex and the line between, well, bad sex and getting non-consensual sex and getting taken advantage like of is obviously sex. very blurry um and i think that scene really expertly shows that um and you can take and i think any conclusion you know that a person mm-hmm. makes is fair i think you can justify you know sort of any takeaway from that um which is the scary thing about it um yeah. but i do think from a character development standpoint it shows that like oh they just are not on the same uh they're not in the same place. They're not, they don't want necessarily the same things, at least sexually. But I think that it stands for a larger thing there. Definitely. Yeah. I um I mean also Sheree Appleby's performance in that sex scene is so good. Just she's like the I'm snapping. She's, so oh, she's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I mean, she she plays yeah. that like kind of horror and disappointment so well. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, backing up a little bit, Adam sees Hannah on the sidewalk, as we mentioned, mm, yeah. um, and he, she, I, I think just seeing her kind of triggered him and he goes back inside and relapses, gets drunk, um, Fiona Apple, Valentine plays, Fiona oh Apple. my God, oh. so good. A, per- a yes. perfect scene. Oh. Well, it's, just, perfect it's how many iconic scenes were in this. At the end of this, when I'm talking, we have to count out, like, I think there are at least four or five iconic, like top 15 girl scenes in this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's one of them to me. I mean, we we will be getting into one of the most infamous scenes in just in just a bit, but in just a moment. I'm so excited. Um, but the he gets drunk, and as as we I think kind of covered, um, the t- horrible sex scene yeah. happens. Adam does not know how to have like normal sex. He is used to the sex he's been having with Hannah, which is kind of depraved, and um, you know. Uh, well, she's just like, like sorry to get crass, but like Hannah's just like a hole <laughs> to him in a lot of no, ways. No, say that. Say like, that. Yeah, like Natalia is anything but that, and it just—I I just remember being so shocked with all this, like watching it the first time, and like, yeah, I mean, the discourse was really shocking about, or like very like fraught around all this too. But I do also remember a lot of it unduly being about like the fake cum on her chest. Yes, a lot of people were really upset about the people, cum. People were bothered about that? Yeah, like very bothered. Really, yeah, there was, it was too much across the line. They definitely, I remember people being really upset about that, which is sort of like completely misses the entire point. Um, <laughs> it really does. Also like, yeah. what, who cares? That Yeah, that doesn't. Oh, man. But I will say, read that scene, like Adam eating 
Natalia's ass a decade before it happened on the White Lotus. Like we don't get like we forget. That's true. We forget that these things, you know, people have to blaze a trail before we, you know, can have nice things. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it definitely. I think it was it's intentionally blurry and and really difficult really tough really difficult to to parse which you know a lot of sex can be that way <laughs> yeah absolutely um, wait, speaking of difficult uh, to parse do we want to talk about <laughs> Marnie Julia we, we must talk about Marnie who is in full breakdown mode this this episode oh my god I mean first we see her singing like a y2k pop star slash disney princess like bopping around the apartment trying to write a song and follow her dream following her dreams <laughs> lay down some tracks do you know the yeah, application yeah. garage band or no, do you know garage band the application that's what she said <laughs> the oh. the way shoshana just tossed off oh she's following her dream was so funny to me. show she was on fire this it. episode oh, like. so so she's in her bag she's so good yeah, uh, Marnie. Last episode accosted Charlie at his new tech company office, as we remember. Um, and now we see her going back to Charlie's office to yell at him for skipping out on their "quote unquote" concrete lunch plans. Um, and then, yeah. Oh, sorry. Which, go ahead. No, I just, she's down bad. She like, really he's, is. He's successful now. She wants. She wants. She wants up. She wants back in. And Charlie apologizes and invites Marnie to an office celebration um, to make up for it. And now we get into the most troubling, infamous event of the season. I'm going to say something that I, I, I know this is being recorded. I, and so, <laughs> you know, I probably won't ever be able to take this back, but I don't think I will take it back. I think Marnie's singing stronger by Kanye West, disgraced artist Kanye West is maybe single-handedly the, most important scene that girls has ever done like the, like the, the most iconic scene of all of girls history um and the cringiest and i think that goes hand in hand uh, that's beautiful chris thank you for saying that i 100 percent agree with you this has been like the white whale of the <laughs> podcast for me like the entire time we've been doing this like have truly been dreading it since the first episode but like i agree there there's not a week that goes by especially on twitter that i do not see this video like, it's, it's cultural legacy has lived on like tenfold it's that dress people in the year of our lord 2022 were dressing like marnie singing stronger at that party for halloween literally there are so many little humiliations that occur in just the scene alone like every extra in this shot deserves like like to be paid like a day rate or something because like the the variety of reactions like the disdain the disgust all of it it's incredible like the just like the what she does to the melody of stronger i was about to say (laughs) we have to like whoever arranged that deserves literally a million dollars and also to be tar and feathered because it's just so unbelievable the like even show up to this late shit like it's just like all like it's like just the way it's sung and like the melody it just it's so exquisitely marnie like it's exactly the way that girl would sing that song and thinking it's a sleigh and so incredibly uh, just uh, 
tone deaf. I know you don't say that anymore, but just it is so perfectly awful. And but also her acting is so she's uh, Allison Williams should have been nominated for an Emmy yeah, for that and, one. It was perfect, genius. It was genius, genius. genius. It, I really want to stress to listeners who may be younger than us that there was an entire cottage industry of white girls in 2013 doing these like singing covers of rap songs like i don't carmen do, do they not know the band <laughs> carmen that was yeah, the um look at me now cover look at me now like that was you know the careers were about superstars start you could reach you could be very successful doing youtube covers just like marnie did like she wasn't that crazy for thinking that would be a success. No, it just it's a wild choice. Like I mean also if you want to take it back even further, like Chris Allen on American Idol doing Heartless mm. and everyone losing their shit. About yeah, he beat David Archuleta and he shouldn't have he shouldn't have shouldn't have beat him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was really and again, and now and you know, not to get into present day Kanye West, but like knowing everything that we know now, it just is such a in, in, it's honestly an amazing choice to capture a certain moment in time when like he was the most successful artist in the world that everybody was obsessed with that everybody loved and she was doing the thing that people did at that time that now seems so crazy to look back on like so absolutely insane um that it's almost like uh, lena and allison williams could see into the future and be like Yo, this is gonna this is gonna be hilarious now. Think about how crazy this is gonna look in ten years from now. <laughs> it's aged <Yeah. laughs> like a fine wine, truly. Oh, I I also oh. think it's so I mean, even just the the hand motion she does when she sings bow in the presence of greatness. <laughs> Every all the little shimmies she does, all the little like the 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 head tilts. Oh it's perfect. I mean, and Drew, you're correct every single extra deserves um you know a million dollars because the shock and embarrassment that takes over the room the like should i laugh i don't know what this is it's completely insane literal crickets you can be my white kate moss tonight literal unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable also kudos to shoshana she had some great reactions in that too Yes. Oh my God. I mean, I don't know. She is just like it, just a complete lack of self awareness that, like, yeah, like you said, Chris, it was something that could have popped off in the year, I guess it was 2012. Um, but yeah. like, just wrong place, wrong time. She has no uh, idea how she's coming off. Oh, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Yeah. It like when she and, Charlie like confront each other in his office and she's like should I be embarrassed I was yes! like Good girl <laughs> you know the answer to that and you just are not yeah. going to do the work to sort of like interrogate why you should be embarrassed because it's too embarrassing that she's also like exactly. baiting him in to save her because she's she's tried everything she's like being performatively crazy and then like finally it sort of works because he just cannot help himself yeah Oh, God. It's Ugh. so crazy that Christopher Abbott was like, I'm actually done with the show after these two episodes. <laughs> he's, actually, he's like, I'm actually going to leave. I actually can't do this anymore. Um, I do understand why. I do understand. Hmm. They, put, they put Charlie through a lot. They really did. He had to, yeah. Think about how many takes of that she had to do. You know. <laughs> yeah. They put him through a lot. 
Um, I think we can wrap up this episode with Shosh, unless we have any other Marnie. Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, no, yeah. that's on Gucci. We don't have a ton of Shosh this week. I mean, she and Ray are fraying, um, especially after she cheated with the hot doorman last week. Um, mm. He's sick and she's taking care of him, but like, she just, she's feeling very like weird and guilty. She's so racked with guilt. And the thing that I didn't realize when I was, you know, like 18 watching it and like definitely was so much clearer when like rewatching it in the past year was that like, she's younger than these other girls. Like she's like, you know, uh, she's still in college. She's like a sophomore. Like she's not really in the same maturity place, Mm -hmm. emotional place. She's, you know, she's like a little girl who like went into her mom's closet and picked out her high heels and put them on and is like walking around the room pretending that she's a businesswoman. So it's just like all of her sort of, her immaturity and her, um, you know, her inability to, you know, uh, sometimes connect with Marnie and Hannah and uh, Jessa, but also her relationship with Ray just makes it that much crazier that they're dating, you know, it just, it really puts it in a whole new light when you consider like, oh, she's like, she's like 19. She's just like, she's got a lot of grown up to do, a lot of living to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And also just seeing her in this relationship with Ray, you really see the two, the difference, but the stark kind yeah. of contrast between the two yeah. characters. It like it really, you know, I've dated some Rays. I know, you know, I know some Rays, like he he's do you know, his heart is in the in the best place, but show still has this fantasy, this very specific fantasy of what she wants her life to look like. But she may never actually give up, honestly. Um and he doesn't, after having this experience, you know, with the doorman where she's guilty and like, but like had a fucking fun ass time, you know, the bubble, the Ray bubble has been burst and you can't really ever go back from that. Yeah. Well, she kind of like, not to bring it to a place of sex in the city, but like Shosh would do that. So huh. I'm going to do that. Like she kind of had a carry moment for the first oh, time in her 100%, life. Oh, like... 100%. A life of Miranda. And then she gets one carry mm-hmm. moment and it's like... She's got it. Yeah, it, it changes her worldview um, in yeah. a real way. Um, but seeing that she's not an emotionally mature enough place to be like, hey, I did this thing. I don't want to be with you anymore. We need to break up. That's where she's at in this episode. She's not ready to do that. So she just is like a complete fucking weirdo, which was really funny to watch. And like randomly hitting on like Charlie, like this, that like guy at the party who, fun fact, um, was played by Ricky Van Veen, aka Allison Williams' husband at the time. No, is, that was her husband at the time. Who is the co-founder of Funny or Die? That is so. Oh, so he's rich, rich. So he's basically Charlie. That's <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is so crazy. Wait, I did not know that. Wow, I learned something new every day. That's good sleuthing. There is like a whole network of weird like New York like tech bro gossip and just like bloggy media stuff that is tied to the show like it just spills out over like it's so crazy they were of the moment they were capturing a real moment that existed <laughs> in society that people love it or hate it it really did exist and it really did go down a lot like that it's a historical record <laughs> yeah. it should be in the Smithsonian yes um should we move on to the finale yeah, let's do it. Okay, yes. so I think maybe we can start with Shosh and Marnie and end with Hannah since she has like the most going on. Mm. 
Oh yeah, because Jessa's like gone. <laughs> yeah, Jessa's Jessa's gone except for her the sound of her voicemail, which we hear later. But um, mm. or her voicemail box message. Anyway, Shosh and Ray, their relationship is failing, and Shosh is saying that his lack of ambition is like weighing on her. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a continuation of what we saw in the last episode. And to Ray's credit, you know, he does, he wants to, he wants to be different, but he is also, he's, he is who he is and he's older and he's more set in his ways. And, you know, he's not ever, he's not going to be the guy that show wants him to be. That's just not, but he does really love her. I feel, I've always, I always thought, well, eh, but he also is sort of in love with Marnie and that comes up later. <laughs> Truly. I mean, yeah, I, he, Ray goes to his boss at the coffee shop and says he wants to get his PhD in Latin studies. And it's funny, the boss is like, she doesn't want a Latin uh, scholar. <laughs> she wants a rich businessman who will buy yeah. her croissant-shaped bags. Exactly. Um, so the boss gives him the offer, the opportunity to build up a new coffee shop, which, you know, good good for him. But um, In Brooklyn Heights, too. Fancy. In fancy neighborhood. Um <laughs> And but Shosh isn't really still doesn't buy it. She's like, things aren't working. You hate everything. I can't be the only thing you like, which is such a cutting line. And she spilled there. She fully spilled. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Her saying that I love you the way I feel sorry for her. Very sad. It's like But oh. so funny and is actually I think very true to how she felt. Like where she felt like yeah. he was bringing her down. She's rising. Like she is rising in the world. She's like, and she sort of says it. She's like, I'm trying to become the person who I'm going to be. And like, I can't be the only thing that you, I, you know, I, you're, you're bringing me down. I will say one thing that I did disagree with that rang false to me and nothing in girls really ever rings false. But when she was like, you should go to therapy. And Ray was like, I don't go to, th- I would never go to therapy. And it's like, Ray would hundred percent be in therapy. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, a therapy, therapy guy. guy. So I was like, okay, that, yeah. I see what they were doing there. That's, uh, he would definitely be in therapy. I don't agree with that. But the center of their fight, her being like, and it did come from the place of like, oh, I fucked the doorman. And so I felt guilty. But then she started seeing the relationship differently. But like the the actual seed of it being, I no longer want to be in this relationship for X reasons. You are too negative and you're bringing me down, I think was very valid. Mm-hmm. And she did sort of like mature in that moment and she was able to talk to him about it so there was some growth for for Soch and she that's why I think she gets to end on a win making out with a blonde guy in a bar she really does and I mean (laughs) this is kind of the first main stage of her like metamorphosis into ultimately the most mature girl exactly and honestly I do think there's a little bit of like she's learned a little bit from the mistakes of her elders be it you know even if it's like three to four Mm -hmm. years older but she does she does seem to at least learn from her mistakes at least, and it, or at least as an example of her doing that and then she like gets properly awarded for it with like a little make out at a bar with a blonde man even though she said she would never she wasn't into adult blondes <laughs> oh god i mean i completely agree i do think shosh is on top this season she really came out the other side she's a beautiful butterfly and like she said to Ray, she can't be surrounded by his negativity while she's trying to grow into a fully formed human. And I totally respect that. And I think it was a great kind of character growth moment for the character. 
Yeah, I felt bad for Ray though in the moment because it's like it's sort of again this can happen. People can outgrow people and outgrow relationships, and you didn't do anything, and you didn't you he didn't you know do anything wrong. He's still the same guy, mm-hmm. but that's just that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that it's it's such a good scene, and like I just have so much fondness for Shosh. Like I think with time, people kind of realize that she is like the best of the girls. I think, but like. It's just, it's nice. I don't know. And Zosha Mima is just so good at, like... She's so good. She's so... Yeah. Every line reading is somehow perfect, but not what you would necessarily expect. Um, and it's just, it's, it's she's so good. And she's so good on the flight attendant, too. But, like, that's an example of someone who's like, why has she not been in every single thing since then? <laughs> she, I should be constantly seeing Zosha Mammon on my screen. Because <laughs> she's so good in that. Um, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shosha really does. Absolutely. She will inherit the earth. <laughs> she will. She will rule us all. She will. <laughs> In a um, hair donut as her tiara. Her hair was so crazy this season. Her hair is always crazy. Like, she could have had in another lifetime, like, a thriving career as a cosmetologist because, like, I can only assume she's doing that all herself. And it's genuinely impressive to get that, was- that amount of sculpture in one's hair. A hundred percent impressive. Again, it's it's little girl playing in her mom's closet, playing with her mom's fucking makeup and and hair products. That's and bobby pins. <laughs> like she was positively space age in this episode. <laughs> Xenon like, girl of the twenty first century vibe. Really? Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, so funny. Um, should we move into Marnie? Yes, please. This whole scene once again made me crawl mm-hmm. out of my skin. Absolutely. I mean, so we first see Charlie eating Marnie out and she is uh, loving it until she asks, wait, how are you so good at this? Seriously, how many people have you slept with since we broke up? And then Charlie replies, I'm not doing this with you, dudette. (laughs) Yeah, dudette really sent me. (laughs) That really sent me, but it's definitely something that uh, Charlie would say. (laughs) Yes. Um, and then we see them at brunch drinking mimosas, like the ultimate chuggy kind of couple at Roberta's in Brooklyn, of all places. <laughs> uh, then, oh and then we hear like the most insane line of the episode, maybe, when Marnie kind of expects him to want to settle down now that they both have like had experiences outside of the relationship. And then she storms out when he doesn't seem into it and says she, all she ever wanted was to have Charlie's quote unquote little brown babies. Yeah, that's actually the second moment that rang false for me in this episode. Um, and uh, Charlie's not particularly brown, but I get, but I no. will say in Marnie's defense, I will say in Marnie's defense, Marnie is the type of white woman who thinks that Charlie is a brown person. So that yes, actually I, does, dramaturgically, that does actually yes, work. Like she's, um, it's very true to her character. When I heard her say those words, I thought, I thought, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> like Italian. Yes, is exactly. Yeah. She's that waspy. That she's that she's that white, which is crazy. Yeah. I will oh. say it's crazy thinking of the, the the Marnie Charlie thing and knowing that Christopher Abbott, who plays Charlie, just was like, "I'm out" at the end of the season. They were not setting that up. They they were fully like uh, Marnie and Charlie, but we're going to be a big thing season three. I think they had a lot more in store because why else would they get back together? Like I think, I I really do think that True. he blindsided Lena and like, yeah. like the cast and crew of girls in leaving because they fully 
set, you know, Marnie and Charlie up to sort of, sort of be this couple, this really ill-advised couple getting back together because, you know, supposedly love, but probably because of fear. Um, honestly, him leaving was probably the, one of the better things, though, to happen yeah. to, for Marnie and the show. It's, yeah, yeah, like, it's a very, like, once again, taking it to a place of sex in the city, but it's a very, like, Charlotte Trey kind yeah. of pairing. Like, it's, like, forcing the waspiness into, like, a shape that is, doesn't really fit in. I Okay, this is my conspiracy theory about all this, though. And I, I thought this while I was watching the episode. This had series finale vibes to me. Wow. Oh, because everyone's story ends. Yeah, because, oh, you're right. Wow. And wasn't it unclear whether or not they were going to get a season three? Well, this show was never a ratings smash success. Like, it was always, like, very, like, an online cult hit. Mm -hmm. And this was in the same time period that, like, HBO was canceling things, like, enlightened or like how to get away not how to get away with murder how to make it in america <laughs> how to make it in america yes so, I, similar yeah. show yes um that's so such like, a good point it was plausible that it would have gotten canceled so like all these storylines got wrapped up in ways that felt very like kind of bittersweet but like very neat at the same time yeah like, no completely neat like you could have if, if the series ended at the end of episode two or episode 10 season two you would have had a sort of a complete arc for every girl, except maybe Jessica, because I don't remember where we left her. But, but the three, like Marnie, Shosh, and Hannah, like they both, like we got, we, you know, they had their montage. We saw their montage moment, and it all, you know, they could have easily ended then. Thank God it yeah. didn't, but it could have ended. <laughs> Thank God it didn't, but yeah i i don't it, like i can definitely see a world in which christopher abbott was like okay we i think this is only gonna be on for two seasons like i'm gonna go try to have this like indie man art house film career and then yeah it does get renewed and he just bails anyway yeah it gets renewed and then he's like he does his indie man art thing does it pretty well and then like season five he's like hey wait should i just like come back for an episode <laughs> and it's like great and it's, and, a it's a, and it's a perfect episode. It's literally, it's literally a perfect episode. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I'm less hot on how Marnie ended. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, shows like really shows some growth. Marnie is like going back to Charlie for all the wrong reasons because he's successful now and because he's safe and because, you know, she's afraid and she's lost. And you can feel that. You can feel that even though she got what she wanted, it, it's like, you know, it wasn't meant, it wasn't long for this world. <laughs> But I wonder if they would have made that decision had no. Chris Rabbit stuck around mm-hmm. to, to break them up. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that's an interesting point that it definitely does have like series finale vibes. And even just him, them getting back together, like didn't make a ton of sense for me. But I feel like it's it's an interesting point yeah. to leave it. They were to leave it. Um. Should we get into Hannah? It's tough. So, yeah, yeah, her Q-tip activity has left her with a terrible ringing in her ears. And she's now, like, distracting herself from actually finishing the book. So she's Google searching, like, ruptured eardrum. And how does your body know not to stop dreaming or breathing? And 
normal tongue. Normal tongue. Normal tongue got me. I've done that one. Before. Oh my god. <laughs> her editor calls her while she's, you know, doing this Google procrastination anxiety thing and um kind of calls her out for not being committed to the book. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's like asking for extra time basically saying her ear concussion ear concussion quote unquote is making it hard to write and then he kind of threatens to sue her if he doesn't get the pages today so yeah i mean now she has to write a book in a day well yeah and that's how you know her mental illness has progressed to such a point where it's like she needs literal help um is that she thinks she can write Mm -hmm. a book in a day (laughs) she like she seems to really believe i mean she doesn't and she doesn't really try but she seems to think that's i mean initially she seems to think that's her way out and then she's like you know what let me call my parents because this it's really bad but they're they've set up boundaries with her and they you know which boundaries are hard <laughs> but, yeah i mean uh i mean uh hannah's dad who passed away peter scolari oh he's so good tad he's so he's good so in this good and he's so this. so is becky Man- and baker becky ann baker i should say um Hannah's mom, Lorraine, but he is just really, really does really great work. And I'm so glad that he, um, I think, did he get, did he win the Emmy? He, he won an Emmy for this. He won the Emmy for the, like, uh, not to like jump ahead too much, but like the coming yes, out season. Yeah, at the end. So, but I'm good. He won an Emmy, like, guest actor. No, I didn't Emmy, know he won an Emmy. Um, which was, was he was like a TV lifer. Like, he was on a sitcom with Tom Hanks yeah. back in the 80s. Tom Hanks got famous. Mm-hmm. They were like co-leads. It was like a, like a like a bosom buddies type of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's all to say. Sorry for that little tangent. That like Hannah, she no. needs serious deep help, um, and she knows she knows that she knows she needs help, but she doesn't know what type of help she needs. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like this episode, we're kind of just seeing other people's perspectives on her meltdown and neuroses and selfishness. Like, even just seeing this with Hannah's dad telling her, like, I can't keep, I can't keep standing up for you to your mom. Like, I can't give you the money to, quote unquote, restore freedom in your writing process. Like, you need to take care of this. Yeah. It really, and, and then, then the, I mean, then she cuts her own, which is the biggest cry for help a person can do is cutting her own bangs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, yeah, this like Ramona Quimby bowl cut. I kind of <laughs> forgot she did this. It was so, just uh, so upset. Like whenever, if you are cutting your own hair, and I've been in a place of cutting my own hair before, like you are at <laughs> rock bottom. Like, you have to seek truth. And, and when you're asking your creepy neighbor not creepy but your weird neighbor laird to come up and help you finish you're you're in a very dark place (laughs) yeah oh but even with laird i mean laird sort of says and i think he goes too hard but i think that's sort of the thesis of the of hannah is like Mm -hmm. you're rotten on the inside like and that's like and in that way it's like she's like breaking down on the outside and he's talking about like you know like her like you know her interior her interiority and saying that she's rotten which i don't really believe but even still, like she, like, she wants him to help her. She wants him to save her. She needs to be saved to the point where she then, like, makes up, like, a fake, like, illness after getting her hair cut. It's, like, and, like, sort of faints, which she was totally, like, she was fine um, to try to get Laird to, like, help her. And then when he does, she's, like, she's, like, don't touch. Don't take advantage of me, which is just, like, 
she oh, yeah, oh, she's, so she's so she doesn't know what she wants, but she knows she needs she knows she needs help. Yeah. She needs somebody. She needs somebody to swoop in cinematic rom-com style and save the day. Mm-hmm. And that's like exactly what yeah. she gets. Like um so she after well, after Laird leaves, she calls Jessa and leaves her a voicemail screaming at her for dipping out on her upstate. Like that anorexic Marnie. Like, that was <laughs> unbelievable. She's like, you're wearing a crop top. You probably got your vagina pierced. Like it's just a rant. A rant for the ages. Truly. Truly. But it's like, but Jessa does. I mean, and that's the thing about Jessa. She's not like she she doesn't have the capacity to be a good friend. And the thing about Marnie, say whatever you want about Marnie. Marnie's a good friend. Marnie shows up. Marnie showed up for Hannah. She just wasn't, Hannah wasn't in a place, Hannah wasn't ready to see her. Hannah, Hannah couldn't, didn't want to be seen in, the, in, her, in her condition by Marnie. But Marnie cares. She shows up. She, even if it's right. so annoying, she, she is there. <laughs> Which I think we always we forget, or we that we you know yeah we like to talk shit about Marnie, but she is consistent in that way, right? And then we see Hannah later. She FaceTimes Adam to quote unquote check in, but I think she just kind of wants him to be witness to her like spiraling. Um, and Adam, you know, heeds the call and runs shirtless to her apartment, breaks down her door, and just is there for her and it honestly like clearly very dysfunctional pair but did make me cry very very moving <laughs> no it really it really is because in a way it's like it's that simple right it's like hannah needed to be saved and you know by and it's her fault that she needed to be saved she put she's the one who put herself in this position but like adam as simple and as like animalistic as he is he sees she's in danger he cares about her he's gonna go and do something about it like he didn't like over he's not overthinking mm. he's actually underthinking. He, slams in the door he like obviously ruins his relationship with natalia because at the end of the day he was like oh this girl that i you know care about and love for better for worse you know needs me i will be there um and it's just and it is that Mm -hmm. that simple i mean does that excuse Mm -hmm. all the other things that he did and will do who's to say but at least in this moment like she needed she needed someone to hold her like a little baby and tell her everything was going to be all right and he he's the one he's he's the guy who showed up yeah and i feel like adam's like the only one we see in this episode and in much of this season giving her second chances and like she's also maybe the only one giving him second chances which i do think it should be said though re adam not to give him too much credit is that he had gone to a place now with natalia where like yeah. like their sex was bad he was like you know try, you know after their sort of horrendous you know sex from the last episode he's like you know trying to sort of be this different type of guy for her for natalia and it just like clearly it just wasn't working so like hannah someone that he could be all of the you know ugliest grossest parts of himself and she wouldn't she doesn't leave i think when she calls and she's like mm-hmm. please come help me even though she doesn't say that that's what she's saying he's you know he it's not like him and natalia were doing so well it's like he was like oh this is the person maybe that i am meant to be with so let me go and knock down her door and be there for her because i care and that's what you do when you care about somebody 
Absolutely. You knocked yes, down their door. It caused them thousands <laughs> of dollars in property damage. <laughs> Did kind of tear up a little yeah, bit it's, at this. Like, I it's hundred percent moving. moving. And it's a, it's also it's such like a young love. It's like, I don't know any 30 year olds who would be doing that for <laughs> any, you know, no. Oh my God. I don't know many 24 year olds. who'd be doing that too. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, really, it's it again, it's a microcosm of where, of, you know, of, of where they are, you know, emotionally, physically, and just like age wise, you know? Um, and yeah, you can definitely recognize. I think the thing that Lena gets so right about girls and like about people in general. And I think the thing that's so lost now in culture and television shows and like, it's really hard to find is that like, even though these two people definitely aren't good for each other, you know, entirely, they're not entirely bad for each other. There's a lot of gray area, right? No one's all perfect. No one's all terrible. People are good and bad. And it's like, not like evil versus good. And like, I think that like, that's what makes the Adam Hannah relationship so interesting is that like, yeah, there's a lot of bad there. And there will be, there's a lot of bad to come. If you're listening, you haven't seen girls yet, there's bad stuff to come. Um, but you, that moment is undeniably <laughs> romantic. That's the most romantic thing a person can do. And, and ultimately sweet, I think. Yeah. So Chris, Definitely. now that we're at the end of a very complex season, um, how did you, what do you think about season two in relation to the entire show? Like, did you think this I ended okay? Do. I do. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like season two was sort of like, people were like, it like, it was so great season one and it like, it like got worse in season two. And having rewatched it like a while ago and just watching these two episodes, I literally do think episode nine is one of, on all fours, is one of the best episodes of any television show of all time and of girls too. But like, I think that's a masterpiece in television um and storytelling and characters um and hilarious and devastating and i think it ends in a way that like as you said if they had pressure from the network they were like hey we don't know if this is gonna like if this is gonna be it like it was satisfying and yet clearly still the engine was going enough to like give us like plenty more seasons plenty more things to come so i think season two of girls you know some of the some of the best some of the best girls some of the best girls there ever was so I'm I'm really high on it. I'm clearly very hot on hot on season two. I, I you guys have probably watched way more more recently. So, uh, am I right? I I agree with you. I think like this season had a lot of character building, slower episodes, and like a few bottle episodes. And then I th- think I said earlier like they shoved a lot of curveballs and just a lot of stuff into these last few episodes, which obviously I loved, but was maybe a little messy, Um, you know? And I feel like maybe it was that kind of that pressure they felt from the network, maybe like, oh shit, we have to wrap this up. We have to kind of leave on a bang, but also who knows? Yeah. What? What? I definitely agree with you, Julia. Like I, I like this season a lot. I do think it's a slight step down from season one, if only because, like, yes, it is rushed at the end, but, like, there are also a few, like, kind of fluffy episodes in here that, like, I don't think you necessarily need. Well, you're like, remind me which ones you're talking about. So the, we talked last week about episode eight, which is, I guess nothing really happens there except, like, 
Hannah's OCD starts flaring up. Um, Char- mm. That's when we find out Charlie has the app. Like, okay. I do think that could have been combined maybe into like one episode. And we do also kick off the season with the Donald Glover of it all. Oh which, yeah, that like, was completely misguided. That was bad. Yeah, that, yeah. that was like, but I also understand why that happened. And I think there is an interest, like she tried an interesting thing. It just didn't work. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not as bad as people remember it being yes, i think right. but like or uh, kind of how people want it to be too like yeah I mean, she's, yeah she's definitely trying something interesting but just like not really succeeding at it yeah but, like the two yeah like i said the two masterpieces in this season are like top five girls episodes like just fantastic all around and like it never stops being funny yeah. even when the the plotting is a little bit less in like intentional yes that's fair that's fair that's very that's fair that's very smart and very astute but yeah i will ride i will ride for on all four season two episode nine because that is that to me that is cinema baby and by cinema i mean tv (laughs) (laughs) gorgeous so one of our final segments is uh which girl are you in these episodes? Ooh, oh my god, that oh, that makes everything. <laughs> or, wait, no, no, I'm sorry, did I read that wrong? Oh, no, no, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, no, I, you, I'm, you wrote. I'm like cross-eyed at this point. <laughs> so, mm. wow, <laughs> yeah. Um, in these two episodes, okay, well, I definitely, I say this. <sighs> Thinking about it, I've definitely been all of these girls at different in in these episodes at different points of my life right so it's like i've definitely been spiraling out of control like hannah and sort of like needed to be saved i don't feel like i'm in that space right now um i if i am marnie in episode nine if i am showing up to my boyfriend's work and singing stronger by kanye west then you have to put me down so um but yeah no i actually i do think i you know i would like this maybe this is aspirational of me but like i think shows like you know, just figuring things out, but getting more clarity in terms of like what she wants and what she needs and making some hard decisions, you know, in regards to that and like, and maturing, hopefully at a faster rate than other people. Um, yeah, I think I want to go with, I think, right. I think the show, I think show um, is who I, who I was these two episodes. Though I've definitely been, I like when, when I spiral, it looks a lot like Hannah. So <laughs> know that, know that. I feel like I, I felt Hannah's procrastination and like scary Google searches. So honestly, that that's those two things I identified with for Hannah. Mm. Drew, who were you? so um marnie i was marnie this episode um you know i i would never get up and sing stronger in front of people on a literal sense but like would i get like zooted and insanely performative in front of a crowd to like spite someone Mm, absolutely i i would i would say Mm -hmm. that i am a marnie in that sense but i also did feel shosh a little bit because like i have dated rays in the past and like that conversation felt very yeah true to how that dynamic usually works a thousand percent i have been there honey and i yes and i you know i could learn a thing or two we could all learn a thing or two from shosh um (laughs) i would love to see you get zooted and you know performative that would be fun (laughs) 
What's your song, Drew? For karaoke? Or for, for your zooted performance? Oh my God. Well, probably, I mean, I'll just answer the karaoke one. Like anything Gwen Stefani, because you can get a little bit like, hey girl. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> like, yes. Uh, this shit is bananas. You can get nasal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Oh, my God. Thank you guys for having me. This is so fun. Thank you so much for coming on. This was truly a perfect way to close out this season. Oh, my God. Well, I there's nothing I love more than talking about girls. Um, so please have me back whenever. <laughs> I know. I was going to say we need to have you back. Before we go, though, we usually rank the girls. Uh, but I think we should rank the girls, like, oh, yes. not for these two episodes, but for the season. Like, who is coming out on top and who is on the bottom? Ooh, okay. Um, do you want me to go first? Because I don't, I don't remember the whole season, but I do remember the whole season. But I'm thinking, um, I think, yeah, I'm going to put Shosh one. I'm going to put Hannah two, Marnie three, Jessa four. Wow, Jessa on the bottom. Yeah, I, I mean, she wasn't in the two episodes that I just watched. So I'm sure, sure like, I like, because she was sort of in absentia, she sort of has to default be at the bottom. But also she is, did abandon all of these people in their time of need. And I know she's on her own personal journey and we'll get more of her. We get plenty more of her to come and soon. But yeah, I think, yeah, Jessa last, Marnie third, because her relationship with Charlie is false. Hannah second because at least she's trying even though she's unraveling and Shosh because she actually grows first. Drew, what what say you? I am pretty similar. I am Shosh number one. I think Justin number two just because I think her dipping out even though it's bad for everyone else in her life like Mm. is going to be good for her. Then Marnie three because she is just so embarrassing, and then Hannah like Hannah just bottomed out too many times for her not that's to be bottomed. Mm, that's like, literally that's actually that's totally fair. But she did fuck Patrick Wilson, and that's huge. Yes, yeah, she does, and that is a win that no. One <laughs> that does add some points to her book, but I, I drew. I think I'm my rating ranking is the exact same. Damn! Wow, I got to go back to the beginning of the season for remind yeah. of what what Hannah did. God, maybe we we are also Hannah, not haters necessarily, but like we are very hard on her okay. on episode episode basis with this yeah. segment. Wow. Okay, particular. so you hate me because I said I was a Hannah. Okay, the truth comes out. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm a Hannah too. Trust me. I just think we have to look at it objectively, and and she is not not ranked on the bottom in our hearts, but ranked on the bottom in terms of. Um, Things yeah, she that, does. Yes. No, that is <laughs> that is so so entirely fair. Um, that, God, wow. But we yeah, love her. We love her. We love, we love her. her. Watch every love them all. <laughs> love them all. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here. And also, I would just your piece on the show for the ten year anniversary is mandatory reading for any fan of this podcast. So if you have not read it, please go yes. read it. Please, yes, it's still av- it's still available wherever websites are sold (laughs) (laughs) chris what where can people follow you read you Uh, oh my god amazing question so you can read my writing on vanityfair.com or in the magazine sometimes even um i also used to write for vulture so there's some stuff there too um and then you can find me on twitter and instagram at chris 
C-H-R-I-S-T-R-E-S-S. And I have a White Lotus podcast. So if you want to talk about another HBO show, yeah. Oh my God. And you can go backtrack unless, yeah. Still watching, still watching with Vanity Fair, White Lotus season two. with And that includes some interviews with the cast and crew, or just the cast. I talked to Aubrey Plaza this week and she was cool as hell. And she should have been on (laughs) Girls if she wasn't on Girls. Wow. Oh my God. She'd be a great great girls girl. girl, But I... I need to listen to your podcast. Yeah, please do. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Well, thank you again. This was such a treat yeah. and we'll have to have you on again soon. Yeah. Oh my God. Julia, Drew, this is so great. Thank you so much. I had the time of my life. Ah, thank have you. Have wonderful you. nights. <laughs> Bye. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.